I would like all of you, if you would, for a moment, to reflect on a question. And the question is, has it been a good year? Like, as you just think about how you're doing, what has gone on for you, maybe reflect on your spiritual life. Just ask the question for a moment. Has it been a good year? And then, even if it's been a bad year, even if you said to yourself, you know, this has not been the best year I've ever had. Even if it's been a bad year, I want you to think of the event that you would look back on during the last 12 months where you'd say, this was the best thing that happened to me. This was the best thing that happened to me during the last year. Okay? Everybody got one? The best thing that happened to you? If you can, I want you to turn to somebody and share that one good thing with somebody next to you. And if, if it's private and you say, well, no, I can't really share this, then share something that was second or third or fourth best. Okay? Turn to somebody right now. What was something that happened that was in your life really good to you this year? And if you don't know the person sitting next to you, this is the best time in the world to get to know them. Okay? Okay, now that you've done that, we'll get back to that in a few minutes. I wanted to start with that just so we get that done. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. If you don't know what I normally do at the last Sunday of the year, there's two times a year when Kelly kind of throws out for a moment the spirituality that is supposed to be here when we worship together, and he tells the best jokes that anybody could ever have heard in the history of the world. And I do this mainly for the kiddos. No, Darcy, you can't say anything. <laughs> oh, I knew you would. No, I didn't know that. Now, what do you mean you have something for me? What is this? You people. You mentioned this last week. So, her piece. There you go. Oh. I can't tell you how much these mean to me. <laughs> oh, the, t- the timing is perfect. Raman had just said to me before I came, you really need to take a bath. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I think the joke is on me for sure. Thank you very much. This is great. All right. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who was throwing the spirituality of the moment out. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's great. Well, you know, I'm going to up my church contribution because... Uh, we don't have to spend as much money on bath soap as we used to spend in our family. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so let me, uh, let me respond to that <laughs> with what I normally do on the last Sunday of the year. And I partially do this because of the kiddos. Do you, Zayden, do you have another one for me? Or he just wants to run up and down the aisle. He's so excited about these jokes. Okay. And so what I do is I tell some of the best jokes of the year. I just take a moment to do this. And, and these are... This year, 
particularly in line with the ones that I've done before. <laughs> okay, so let me say, for example, uh, here I'll just get things going with this little one-liner, okay? Two goldfish are in a tank. One turns to the other and says, do you know how to drive this thing? Huh? <laughs> like, I think that was precious. <laughs> what did the Buddhist monk say to the hot dog vendor? Make me one with everything. <laughs> Sorry, you have to be a bit of a religionist to kind of get that one. Okay. <laughs> Klein Saucer loves these. Yeah, yeah, you love these. (laughs) Two guys were out walking their dogs on a hot day when they passed by a pub. The first guy says, let's go in there for a pint. The second one says, they won't let us in. We've got these dogs. The first guy says, sure they will. Just follow my lead. He goes up to the pub and sure enough, the doorman says, I can't let you in here with that dog. And he replies, oh, but I'm blind and this is my seeing eye dog. The doorman says, oh, then come on in. The second guy sees this and does the same thing. He goes up to the pub and the doorman says, you can't come in here, you've got a dog. He replies, I'm blind and this is my seeing eye dog. The doorman responds, you have a chihuahua for a seeing eye dog? The second guy stops for a moment, kneels down and exclaims, they gave me a chihuahua? (laughs) The whole Klein Saucer family loves it. Look at Diane, she's just rolling. That was pretty good, eh? And then, what do you call an alligator wearing a vest? An investigator. (laughs) Okay, these are so good. One last one. Uh, No, I'll do two last ones. (laughs) What do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? Philippe Flop. (laughs) So good. Okay. And a forester and a lawyer, a forester and a lawyer were in a car accident and they showed up at the pearly gates together. St. Peter greets them and, at the pearly gates and he takes them to the house, the house where they're supposed to spend all of eternity. They get into St. Peter's holy vehicle and they head down a, a, a golden road, which turns into a platinum road, which turns onto an even grander road paved with diamonds to a huge mansion where St. Peter turns to the lawyer and says, here's your home for the rest of eternity. Enjoy. And if there's anything you need, just let me know. Then St. Peter took the forester to his home, back down the diamond-studded boulevard, down the platinum highway, down the street of gold, down an avenue of silver, along a stone alley, and down an unpaved footpath to a shack. St. Peter says, here you go, and he goes to leave. When the forester, forester says, wait a minute, how come the lawyer gets the big mansion and I get this shack? St. Peter says, well... Because foresters are a dime a dozen. We haven't ever had a lawyer here before. (laughs) Huh? Do you think that I didn't check to see if there were any lawyers here this morning before I said that? And do you think what I'm going to do in the second service, if there are lawyers there, it's all going to change? See what I've done? Yeah. 
Don't do that, anybody. Don't do that. Okay. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. So if you're a guest this morning and you thought, man, I thought church was supposed to be this solemn, spiritual place. It is in one sense. But I also hope we have the chance to laugh together and to sometimes make fun even of ourselves. What I'm going to do this morning is reflect a little bit on where we've been. And I want to start with Acts chapter 1 because I think it tells us so much about where we really do ultimately want to go. In verse 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, and after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke, it says, about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now it's interesting because Jesus talked to them about the kingdom of God. And then they're concerned about the kingdom of Israel and when it's going to be restored. Now, both times when that kind of comes up, Jesus answers with the Holy Spirit. And so he says again in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what I want to do here right at the beginning is just draw this, so, this connection which is so clear in Acts chapter 1, between the coming, building, growing kingdom of God that Jesus is so concerned about bringing to his people and the Holy Spirit, that every time the kingdom gets brought up here, Jesus wants to talk about the Spirit. And clearly the Holy Spirit is right there involved with and in part of this description of what the, Holy, of what the kingdom is doing. Like you can't separate what the kingdom is about and what is becoming, what God is doing with the kingdom, and what the Holy Spirit is working within that kingdom. So I ask you the question right at the beginning, how's your year been? And I hope that you were able to think of something good. I hope that what came to mind first was good thoughts. And you thought, man, I, you know, there, this was a good year for me. But if this was a good year for you, what I hope more than anything is that it was a good year because the kingdom was somehow manifest, present in your life, and the Holy Spirit was working in your life so that that kingdom was manifest. And so I hope that you didn't just say, it was a good year for me because uh, you know I got to go to Hawaii or something. What I hope is that instead you said it was a great year for me because God was working something in my life through his spirit. His spirit was doing something in me this year. Something happened. My heart and my life was transformed or some miraculous even event took place 
within my life in the last year because the Holy Spirit was present within me. Well, I hope that's what happened for you individually, personally, and I certainly it's my prayer that in 2013 that's what happens for you. But even more than that, what I hope is that that's what's happened for our church family. And, and I want to take us down a little bit of a walk down memory lane here for just a moment and talk about our church and where we've been and where I think God so much wants us to be. And so I want to do a little bit of an annual checkup here. I'm a doctor now, right? So I can do this. <laughs> Remind me, by the way, if I haven't told you personally about Calvin Cruz and his response to me getting my PhD, I've got to tell you sometime. Okay, I won't tell everybody, but one of these days, come and ask me and I'll tell you the Calvin Cruz story about me, about me becoming a doctor. So, mid-2006 to 2008, Kelly and Robin come and join the Calgary Church of Christ. And if you were to ask me, what were things like at that moment or that time, uh, in our church's history, I would say something like this. I would say, and there's a lot of people who would agree with me, that right at that point, we had no cohesive vision and there was a lot of floundering. Now, that's not so much my assessment because I hadn't been here long enough to make that assessment. That was the assessment of other people. That's what people came to me and said. We feel like this is where we're at. And so it took a good, I would say, almost two years for me to get my mind around that, to kind of negotiate my way, my way through where I thought we were as a church and, and reflect on it. And when I do look back on it, I would say, yeah, there was some floundering. There was a sense of, of a lack of cohesive vision that was present in the church from about 2006, mid-2006 when we came uh, through 2008 or so. Then 2008, 2009, I would say something like this, that we were at that time busy laying some foundations doing some reflecting, some thinking, some sorting things out, and growing. And I would say especially on the part of our leaders. In fact, if you were to ask our elders whether or not that was happening in their lives as a group, I think that they would all agree uh, that that was going on. And there were words that were getting tossed around like alignment. And our elders even talked about how they themselves needed to be more aligned than they were. And so we went through a fairly lengthy process of kind of reflecting on who we were and thinking about this, just trying to sort out what kind of church exactly we wanted to be. And so we considered models for how to do church best. We've talked a lot about groups that go to Idaho and things like that as we've wrestled with what exactly we want, we want to do and to be as a church as we try and fulfill this vision of what it's like to be the kingdom of God in this place. We worked on our what, of, uh, what we believe statement. And in fact, for months... The elders met and talked about that at length, about uh, what exactly it was that we believe and, and how there are some things that are going to be central to our life as a congregation. We worked actually on knowing each other, getting to know each other better. And certainly that was part of, of me having come in uh, in 2006, still getting to know the church. And I, I was talking, talking to someone yesterday. It's amazing just how long it takes for a minister and a church to really get to know each other and feel comfortable with each other. Like if I would have done this joke thing on the first Sunday that I was here, people would have said, who in the world is this guy? What if we hired? He, you know, he's a terrible comedian. He thinks he's one, but he's not. What's the deal with that? And of course, by now, of course, I know I'm a bad comedian. That's why I only do it twice a year. And so, but now you kind of know me and you can kind of live through that for 10 minutes as I make an idiot of myself. And then all these other people do too. So 
we're, we're, we, I think, are kind of past that point of just learning to grow and know each other. But it, but it took a long time. And it, it does take a long time. Um, I was also saying to this person yesterday, do you know when the... Like, they've done study after study. And do you know when the most effective time in the history of a life of a congregation is in relation to its minister? Like, churches are most effective. They grow the most. They do the best job of being the church when the minister has been there for seven years. After seven years is when he tends to have the most effective ministry in the life of the church. Now, that's kind of exciting because I've been here six and a half. And so we've only got upwards to go. And I think that God can do some wonderful things through us. But it's just, it's interesting that it takes a while for us to work uh, to know each other. And, and so there were some things in 2008, 2009 that we really, we were working on uh, extensively, I think, as a leadership team especially. Then, in the spring of 2010, we actually had some major revisioning taking place. And you, you're going to remember this. As all the elders came up, uh, we shared a vision uh, for what the church needed to be and do. And in fact, we said, we're going to focus on life groups and outreach. We're going to have a new mission and vision statement. And that's our new mission statement. It's not new anymore. It's been here that long now. And then we talked about how uh, we wanted to do a major revision or had done a major revision of what we believe. And we actually shared uh, all of that with the church. And so, again, you might remember that when we, you know, we stood up and had a, a rather a significant morning. Uh, some of you might remember it because it went about an hour and 45 minutes or something where we talked about all these things that were so important for our church. And since then, we've tried to build on those things. And so, in fact, I would say for 2010 through the present, through 2012... We have done some further sharing of the mission and vision. These things continue to be talked about. We have trained ourselves to think in terms of our new mission and vision so that hopefully these things are kind of ever more present on our minds and we're more conversant with them. And then we have been acting on what our what we believe statement actually says. Now, Bud Ashby, if you would look, there's a pile of papers right there on the, that little table. And what I want to do this morning is I want to pass out a piece of paper. It's actually three pieces of paper, front and back, which detail specifically our what we believe statement. And at the very bottom of that is our mission and vision statement. And so if we could just get those, uh, those passed out. And, you know, it's interesting. As we started the fall, there was actually a great deal of excitement and part of the reason why is because this mission and vision, which is not new now, like I'm not passing out something new this morning, I'm passing out that which now is a couple of years old, but I want it to be kind of in everyone's hands today. One of the things that's been happening through the course of all of this is that there is a, a kind of a background backdrop element to a lot of the things that we have been working on and in some ways even working against. And what I mean by that is this. We have been trying to overcome what lots of people, this isn't just my terminology, lots of people characterize in Churches of Christ as an identity crisis. Um, a few years ago, Michael Coughlin was at Abilene Christian University taking a graduate degree, and I'm sure that that was discussed on a regular basis among the students there and among the faculty, even if they didn't use that language. There was this 
just this idea that there are things that we as a group of churches have had to overcome. And part of that is simply our history, our past. Some of it is choices we've made. It's a mindset, it's an approach to being church. And a lot of people recognize that there are things that need to be different as we reflect on who we are. In fact, the crisis was created by people reflecting on who we've been in the past and saying, you know, we don't really like who we've been in the past. Things need to change, but we don't know who we want to be. And that's been a huge question. And so in many ways, what we've gone through over the last two or three, four years is wrestling with what we, who we want to be. Who we think scripture says we should be. What God wants us to be. What God's spirit wants us to be. And trying to form for ourselves what we consider to be a biblical identity. What it means to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to do as well as possible church. To do it well. To have God's spirit lead us in doing it well. And so I'm not going to go through those sheets this morning. The first part is what we believe. You'll see there's some things on there that are just kind of like cut in stone. We hope that they never change, which is kind of the first 12 items. You'll notice after that, there's a section on things that are a bit more negotiable. uh, Things on which there is quite a bit of controversy. And instead of saying these things are written in stone, we have some opinions. We think this is the way things should go for us for now with these things. Uh, But they're not quite as cut in stone as the first 12. And then, as I said, at the very end, you're going to find our new mission and vision statement, which I say new, they're not new so much anymore. But I think they're powerful. And I think God can use them and work uh, in them to do something significant for us. So these things that you have in your hands are intended in many ways to overcome this identity crisis within churches of Christ. And I think they really go a long ways toward doing that. So that's kind of where I think we've been And as we approached the fall, like I said, there was a great deal of excitement uh, that was present. And so we started fall 2012 with excitement at our our prospects for the future. In fact, it was interesting. You know, uh, Peter Roberts said at one point, like in August or something like that, he came in and we were talking one day and Peter just said, you know what? He said, I think by May we're going to be 400 people on Sunday morning, which would be great. And, you know, there's part of me that's a bit realistic uh, maybe a little bit too apt to to uh, be as hopeful as I should be or something. And I kind of thought, boy, I don't know, Pete, 400, that's an awful lot to hope for. That would be great. I hope that God blesses us and we can get to 400 in the spring. That'd be fantastic. But I'm looking more at, you know, I'd just like to be a good solid 300 by February, you know, or something like that. Now, you might find it interesting that that's definitely where we're headed. In fact, as I reflect on where we've been, I would say that we're definitely seeing signs of fruitfulness. I think that the efforts that we've gone through over the last couple of years are starting to really show their fruitfulness within our congregation. I think the elders were wise in the steps that they took toward moving us in the direction that we have, and I think we're, we're really headed on the right road. And there are lots of things that reflect that. It's not just our attendance, which is up, by the way. It's not just the success of this service, which is certainly... Uh, I, I might tell you, I, I had hoped that our first service would be roughly 80 consistently on Sunday morning. And I told people, if we're 50 on Sunday morning in the first service, I'm not going to find that very successful. If we're 80, I I think we're going to be doing really well, and I'll feel good about that. 
Well, we have consistently been above 80. It's more between 90 and 100 consistently. Last time we met together, it's 112 uh, on, in the first service. And I don't know what it is today, but I'm going to guess it's in the 85 range or whatever it is. And, and, that's, and don't turn around and start counting, by the way, because um, then it'll be 44 and I'll be, look really bad. Um, but it, no, it's because you know, God has blessed this service. And I'm glad that he has. And we, we need to continue to move in that positive direction. And so God has blessed us with, in this way. I think he's blessed, blessing us with the whole uh, sense of attitude and spirit and love for each other and unity and new people coming to us. All these good things are happening. God is blessing our church right now. And we should feel very good about the fact that God is choosing to bless us. It's interesting in Acts chapter 1 when the disciples are asking questions of Jesus. And asking, what are you going to do now? And it's so clear that God wants to send his spirit upon the church. And he wants to bless us. And what I would say after considering all of this for a while. Is that God is sending his spirit. I think that God's spirit is blessing us. I think that God's spirit is coming into our lives, into our church family, and that he's choosing to bless us. And it's not very often what leaders do or an individual does in terms of choices that an individual makes, as much as it is God and his spirit choosing to bless us at any one moment as we try to be the church. And I think that God right now is choosing to bless us. And I praise the Lord for that. Here are some things that I want you to do in response to that very quickly. Focal points heading into 2013. First, I hope that we will continue to focus on relationship building and relational outreach. Focus there. Think in terms of relationships, and and I think that God will continue to bless our church. Role definition for every member. Ask yourself, what part do I play? What's my role in the body? How has God gifted me? What can I do? What are the things that I need to do? And I think that as you ask that question and answer that question, that God will bless our body. Spiritual centeredness. We tend so easily to get distracted by the worldly things. Spiritual centeredness is where we all need to be. God wants us in his word. He wants us focused on him. And something significant will happen as he blesses us through a spiritual centeredness on each of our parts. And lastly, simply prayer, which certainly is part of that spiritual centeredness. If we're spiritually centered and praying the way that God wants us to be, there are simply no limits as to what God can do with our church. Uh, we've been talking, I mentioned last week, about some plans. Some of it have to do even with our uh, building here. We want God to bless us in significant ways in terms of outreach to our community. We think that, that he will. We, we've been praying that he will. We have faith that he will. I have no doubts but that God will do this. Um, but so much of it depends on our perspectives, on what we want to see get done, how we put ourselves to the task, what we're open to in terms of allowing God to work. So I'm looking forward to 2013. I think it's going to be a fantastic year. God seems to be blessing us. We're on the upward swing. All of that is good. And we need to continue to pray that God will bless us in that way. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for the few moments we've had today uh, to reflect a little bit on where we're at as a church, where I think you want us to go, where our leaders think you want us to go, uh, where there are so many signs uh, that you're blessing as we move forward. Help us, Father, to serve and to honor you with open hearts, open spirits, 
Help us, Lord, to be open to your spirit. Help us to hear your voice and to respond to it with all of our lives. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.